very spectacular. And uh, Tracy, thanks for letting God use you. How can anybody preach after that? <laughs> Thank you for letting God use you. That's wonderful. I'm very familiar with everything, and I'm very grateful to see what God has done. God has really done a great work, and I'm very grateful to see what God has unfolded for us. We saw it this morning. Amen? That's so wonderful. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. Now this morning, I want to welcome all of our visitors. I want to share from the Word of God with you. I really firmly believe that as you hear the Word of God, it changes your life. The Word of God is an incorruptible seed. You can never get rid of it. If you understood it and you accept it, God will always work with that Word. It stays and it, it changes our lives. Uh, the title of your message is The Legacy of a Godly Father. This is, this is Father's Day, so happy Father's Day for all of our fathers here this morning. The Legacy of a Godly Father. The word legacy is defined as something precious that is handed down from one generation to the next. Something precious that is handed down from one generation to the next. And uh, for most people, when they think about uh, legacy, a good name is good, you know, to have a good name. A name that is recognized around the world. Uh, if you are a Kennedy, uh, well, we know what that family, right? That's their legacy. I'm a Kennedy. You don't have to have a whole lot of money. Just tell them John F. Kennedy was my grandfather, and you get respect from the United States, right? Uh, that's my legacy. That's the legacy. Uh, it's, it's a good thing to have that. And for some, it's wealth. You got good wealth coming down. And most people figure, well, I've well, got to leave something for my kids. I've got to do something for my kids, which is very important. But most of the time, people are thinking about wealth. Uh, as a legacy, and that's, all, that's good as well. But what does God want you to leave for your children as a legacy? What is important to God? Because what is important to God is the legacy He wants you to leave for your children. That's the most important thing. I need to find out what does God really want me when I leave to live for my children, the legacy to live for my children. And that was my search. You know, the sermon that I'm preaching this morning, I woke up just thinking, and the title is given to me, and then I'm thinking, okay, uh, what about that? Give me scripture and verse. I need to know where I'm going with this. That's the way I believe God deals with me. The title comes in, and I don't know where it's going. And then let God please show me what's going on here. But the legacy... What kind of legacy does God want you to leave for your children? That God himself will appreciate. Especially if you are a godly person, you go to church and you love God. What does God really want for you as a father to leave for your children? Now, in Malachi chapter 2, verse 15 and 16, it says, But did 
He, that's God, not make them one. That's husband and wife. God made them one. So you're one husband and wife, just one person in the mind of God. That's the way he sees you guys. Having a remnant of the Spirit. You see, that's a remnant of God's Spirit. God is Spirit. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. God's one. So, husband and wife, that's the remnant of the Spirit in man. And why one? So, God says, this is God speaking now. Why one? Why did God make it that way? Why did God put it in man to be that way? He seeks godly offspring. God seeks godly offspring. So, God, husband and wife, if you are going to leave any legacy that God will truly appreciate, that will stay with your children, that will bless your children, and the generation after that, and the generation after that generation, God really wants from you, give to me godly offspring. That's what is important. That's the, most, the greatest legacy you can leave, that God himself will appreciate, not man. What God will truly appreciate is godliness in your offspring. I've got to read further in this scripture here. He seeks, so God himself, he's seeking godly offspring. God wants you as a man, a husband and wife, if you're a Christian, not just to live for him, but he wants your children to be godly. And that's your responsibility. That should be your legacy when you pass on here from this life. It says, because of this, therefore, take heed to your spirit and let none deal treacherously with his wife, the wife of his youth. For the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce. I talked about this last night. And you know why? This is important. For it covers one's garment with violence. Oh, nobody talked about that. He covers one's violence, one's garment, your whole life with violence. And he continues, when there is, well, I got to really seek God because it's gotten a little harder to raise the godly offspring. And the legacy is left out. So that's why, no other reason, that's why God says, I hate this thing. Because he covers the whole life with violence. There's nothing you can do about it. It will take only the grace of God to take that violence off. Because the violence now will not only affect your life, but it affects the kids as well. God says, I hate this stuff. Not you. He loves you. But this stuff is going to cause you so much trouble. I don't want it. I want both of you together. I want both of you, father and uh, 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 the mother, together so that these kids become godly. That's what God is wanting in this life. That's what God is looking for. Gather all the money you want. God is not concerned about all of that. All he wants, <laughs> give me some godly offspring. I want that. That's the legacy that God wants. You know why God wants the godly offspring? It's actually the good for the kids. In First Timothy 6.6, 6, he says, Now godliness 
with contentment is what? Great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. When the children are godly, then they are righteous. Uh, Psalm 5 verse 12 tells us, The Lord, it says, For you, O God, for you, O Lord, we bless the righteous. Psalm 5 verse 12. For you, O Lord, God doesn't have any choice. If you are righteous, he'll bless you. That's what it says. For you, because you, O Lord, we bless the righteous. And you surround the righteous with favor as with a shield. So if you are righteous, God will bless you. If you raise godly kids, then they are righteous before God. And therefore, God himself surrounds them with favor. Everywhere they go, they got favor. As with a shield. In fact, you know what a shield does? Prevents something deadly from getting to you, right? Uh, the favor prevents everything that is evil from coming to your children. When you read, it's better than worldly wealth, godliness, and contentment. He says it's great gain. That's what God wants from, from his children. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. Notice the word, bless the righteous, right? You know what that word, when God uses the word bless, you know what it means according to the scripture? Now, Proverbs 10, 22. He says, the blessing of the Lord, what does he do? Makes one rich. So when you raise them godly, you fulfilled everything. You gave them the greatest legacy. They can be on their own. They can walk life with favor. They'll do well. You can go home and be sure the kids are well taken care of. So that's the legacy we want to leave behind. For everyone, every man here, God's depending on you. That's what it means. Hold on to the hand of God because you cannot do it by yourself. Turn your life over to God and say, God, I need your help. I need you to walk through me to fulfill this in this life. If you don't raise for God a godly offspring, then you fail them. Even as a Christian. This is something we talk about fathers, we have the video. That's what you pray about. I mean, not just a few words. You're serious with it. God, help me. Because you can be successful in the eyes of men. But what about God? Does God consider you a successful person? That's what is so important. Because afterwards, everything that you... You came into this world with nothing. And guess what? You leave this world with nothing. You came naked. You're going out with nothing. I don't care if they bury you in your Cadillac. That's going to rust. We need God. That's the most important thing. So that there is intimacy between you and your God. He knows you and you know him. That's my joy today. I know God. Amen. I can brag about it. Not by my own power, but I've come to know God. I know God. He is in my life. That's very precious to me. I know God. 
I don't. You wake me in the morning while I'm sleeping. Do you know Jesus? Oh, yes. I know Jesus. I'm not confused about that. I know him. And I know he's with me. That's the confidence I have in life. And I know because he's with me, he is with my family, he's with my children. God didn't look, he didn't say he's looking for perfect offspring. Is that what he says? Godly. Offspring, not perfect, but godly. There's a difference. They love the things of God. Amen? They are perfect, but God loves them that way. Amen? He loves all of us that way. But that leaves them a real precious legacy. Now, I think about Isaac. Before I go to Isaac, for the man, the father, I was, re- I re- I was reading the story, I actually heard this guy, this uh, great preacher, his name is Sid Lobaster. Many of you don't know it, I don't know if anybody knows about him. But he was born in Australia. I used to listen to him when I was newly saved. So we're not talking about when I got saved, okay? And how long that's been, okay? I used to listen to this guy, and I loved the way he talked. I mean, he was so good. He's written over 25 books. He's gone to be with the Lord now. He died in 19, uh, 1999. But well known all over the world. Born in Australia, ministered mainly in England. And he said, what really got a hold of my heart concerning faith and Christ? He said when he was growing up, he watched his father several times try, try, uh, trying to read through Isaiah 53. And he knew from time to time what was coming. The the father loved the word of God and was always reading. But he would always go to that Isaiah 53, trying to read through Isaiah 53. He was wounded for my transgression. Remember that? Who shall... Who has believed our report? That's Isaiah 53 verse 1. He will start from all of that. And then he goes, he he was a man of sorrow. And then when he gets to the point, his father gets to the point, uh, he was wounded from my transgression. He just, he'll lose it. And you start crying, oh my Lord, my Savior, how could you have gone through this for me? How? And he's really serious. And this little boy was saying, boy, this is a very serious matter. This is serious. If he makes dad cry, and then he got used to it. Daddy started again reading Isaiah 53. We know what's coming. But the truth is, he found out there was something so deep in this thing that's touching dad so much. I want to discover that thing. I want to know what that is. If it's that serious to dad, and dad is so involved in it, I want it. And guess what? He became an internationally known minister. Started from that. That was the legacy God left for him. The father is totally unknown. But this young man, from that, he became what God made him. He says, that's what did it for him. I've got to know this Jesus. If it's that important to daddy, I want it. Let your children see that Jesus, the God of the whole world, means something to you. And it's not a game. They're watching. Let them watch you pray. 
Let them see you read the scriptures. Let them see you hurry up to go to church. Because it's important to you. If it's not important to you, it's not important to them. And God noticed you haven't raised a godly offspring for him. You failed him. Because that's what he's looking for. You know, I think about young Isaac. Remember young Isaac? He knew he was born out of a miracle. His mother was already 90 years old, right? Before he was born. So it was laughter. A 90-year-old woman giving birth. Everybody, ha ha, this is a miracle. It's Isaac's laughter. So he knew that. But then his father was taking him up for sacrifice. Remember the story? Up for sacrifice. And they were going up. The, the father didn't tell his wife what he was about to do. I, I, I think if he had, he may have walked out of the house with one eye, you know, kind of. He was going Are you sure it wasn't the devil that spoke to you? Kill the son. Now you are so old, you're hearing voices. They would have argued. But he knew he had heard his God, right? And they went up, sacrificed. Because God had said, give me your son, Isaac, as a sacrifice to me. And Isaac spoke to his father. In Genesis chapter 22, verse 6. So Abraham took the woods of the burnt offering and laid it on, the, uh, on, on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And the two of them went together. And Isaac was smart. He realized he, he's got the fire, he's got the wood, he's got the knife. But where's the animal? <laughs> no animal. So Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. He said, Here am I. Then he said, Look, the fire, the wood, the knife, if you will add that to this. Where is the lamb? <laughs> I need to know. Where is the lamb? What are you doing? You're, old, you're so old, you've forgotten the lamb, the most important part of this. And Abraham says, The Lord will provide himself a lamb. That's the just story. You know what happened? The lamb which, you know, came and God provided that and he cursed. But think about Isaac. As a young boy, he's thinking in his mind. He, after they get back home, you know, I know what I would do. Daddy, uh, if God had not provided that lamb, would you have really killed me? <laughs> would you do that? Sometimes we forget that these people were human beings like the rest of us. I'll ask the question, are you, were you really serious? You were really going to kill me? And Abraham says, oh yes, son. Oh yes, you would have died. <laughs> and he's thinking, man, this God that you serve, you really listen to him, don't you? So even if he tells you to do something, in my mind, that's wrong, you do it? If it's Jehovah, it's going to be done. Right? It's going to be done. No matter what it wants, he asks, I'll do it. You know what that left with Isaac? When God speaks, you do it. That's the legacy. When God speaks, you do it. 
you don't meditate on it, you act on it. That's what he learned. When you read that scripture, you start wondering, because the Bible says this. Let me read that scripture. Genesis again, 26. Now Abraham died, and Isaac started his life. Let me read the scripture. There was famine in the land, beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. So that's when Abraham started off, more than 25 years ago. So this famine was as great as the one that was in the time of Abraham. So they had to reference Abraham in this year. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. Verse 12. It says, then Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold and the Lord blessed him. Now, this is very important. Verse 13. The man began to prosper. Right? And what? Continued to prosper until he became what? Very prosperous. Ah. Wonderful. But let me ask you, wasn't Abraham very rich? Why is the outcome he's beginning to prosper? Didn't Abraham leave him all his stuff? He only had one son, right? So what happened? Have you ever thought about that? What happened? God had to give him a restart. There was the same famine that happened in the days of Abraham. That's how Abraham started. He had to deal with it. I believe when the economy is really bad, you lose stuff, don't you? You lose your stocks, your stocks lose value, and everything is gone. That's what happened. He lost everything. And he thought to himself, I'm going to do what my father did. I'll go to Egypt. Read the scripture, right? I'm going to go to Egypt. But God said, don't go to Egypt. Stay where you are. But he had learned from his father. When Jehovah speaks, you do it. Amen? You do it. No question. So he stayed in that place. Even though there was farming, he still, he planted because Jehovah had talked to him. And then what happened? He began to prosper again. And he became very prosperous. He caught up with his daddy. The legacy that his father left with him, even though the father was gone, he knew the God of his father. And when things got tough, he got a hold of the God of his father, listened to the God of his father, and received everything his father got from his his God. And now the God of Abraham turns into the God of Isaac. Hallelujah. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's the legacy we want to leave. He becomes the God of Isaac. And you can read in the scripture when he blessed, when he blessed Jacob. He told Jacob, now, I don't want you marrying from these people here. My father won't let me marry from the Canaanites. And then he blessed him. He says, may God give you the blessings of Abraham. The God of Abraham, let him give you the blessings of Abraham. 
That's the way it's supposed to be. Now, Joseph, he learned from his father also. Amen? He learned from his father. Abraham paid tithe. I'm sure Isaac also paid tithe. If you read in the scriptures, before Sarah, uh, I mean, uh, Rebecca was brought to, to Isaac, Isaac was in the field meditating. Where did you learn that from? From his daddy. He got those things. And he was fortified. Made strong inside. So he'll never fail. Because of his daddy. And God's looking to every dad here. That's what you need to leave as a legacy for your kids. So they can stand. And you know they will leave the same thing for their children. From Abraham to Isaac. And Isaac to Jacob. And when then Jacob blessed Joseph, he's the God of my father, Abraham, and Isaac. And then Joseph now says, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When I go, I want my kids to say, the God that is served. Amen? The God, that's the greatest legacy you can have on earth. It's better than silver and gold. Silver and gold will follow that legacy. Amen. So you're not missing out on anything. Silver and gold will follow that. That was Isaac's legacy. Now, with regards to the home, oh, oh. <laughs> okay. I'm going to mean a hurry, okay? <laughs> to clarify. In, Genesis, in uh, Ephesians chapter 5 and chapter 6, God gives us, because he, talks, he made them one, right? The purpose is to obtain what? Godly seed, right? Godly offspring. That's what God looks for. And so in, in Ephesians chapter 5, God's giving us the recipe for this. And how the husband and the wife in the home supposed to be and then also generally dealing with the man. Let me say this to you, how important the father's role is. Now, when Mary uh, uh, conceived Jesus, the angel Gabriel spoke to Mary, right? That was a great miracle. The angel appeared to Mary and spoke to Mary and gave Mary the word, you're going to be pregnant, and this, this child is going to be the son of God. You call his name Jesus. Did you know that after that, God never spoke to Mary after that? No. Guess who he was talking to? Joseph. Get it. Always Joseph. After that, that one time to prepare her for the child, because there's a big miracle going to take place, but after that, no more. It's Joseph now. Let me give you. God went to Joseph, says, your wife's pregnant, but listen, she hasn't done anything wrong. That's the son of God she's pregnant with. Now, when he was born and the, the, the uh, wise men came, okay, not three wise men, wise men came, okay, and, and, and when they left, guess what? God gave Joseph in a dream. Now, you move the child and you go to Egypt. And when the time Aaron died, God came again and what? Guess what? He warned Joseph, those people are dead. You go back, but never marry. You know why? If God's going to do something in the home, 
Hey, you dad, you're responsible. Uh, oh man, hang your heads down. <laughs> this is very important. Okay. If something good is going to come to the house, it comes through the man. You need to stand up because God's looking to you. Spiritually, God's looking to you. No great thing will come into the home without the man. I mean, I'm talking about something lasting before God that gives God glory. If they're working together, God works through the man. So there is a point. I mean, don't ask me. I don't know. That's the way he made it. God never said anything to Sarah. This was before the law. Everything God did, he did with Abraham, but still it was Abraham and Sarah. But when God speaks, he doesn't talk to her. He talk, Don't ask me. He talks to him. And it's always been that way. It's always been that way. Not putting the woman down is just the way God is. They are the same. That's the way things are in order. Jesus said, I don't speak of my own authority. What I hear from the Father, that's what I say. And Jesus said of the Holy Spirit, he doesn't speak of his own authority. What he hears from me, Jesus, that's what he's going to tell you. That's God's way of things. He's other. Don't ask me. I just accept it. It would be good for you if you accept it. Okay? <laughs> just accept it. So for the home, God says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, Husband, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself to, for her. So what does that mean? You, the husband, in your home, for godly seed, you are the priests. You are the savior. If someone needs to die, it's you. God looks to you to that. Love, love is not a feeling. Not this kind of love God is talking about. Because you go in and out of that, depending on what's happening. Love is a choice. So what God is saying to the husband, choose to love your wife regardless. That's what is happening. God wants you. It's a choice. It's not how you feel. And that means as the priest, you pray for her as well as the children. You're the priest. You make offerings for them. It's very important. So husband, love your wife just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. And now the relationship between the husband and the wife in Ephesians, now the, the place of the wife is Ephesians 5 verse 21. It says for the wife, it says submitting to one another in the fear of God. So there is submission to one another. But then it says wife submits to your own husband as to the Lord. This is so important. I know when people, when we hear the word submit, people in, hear people like, what is that? We're not supposed to do that. You can go fight with God. He's not going to change that word. He's not going to change the word because you don't like it. He stays the same. Listen. We submit to Christ, not by force, right? You know why we submit to him? Because he's Jesus, he loves us, right? Love 
demands submission. Submission demands love. Does that make sense? Love demands submission. Submission demands love. When one is broken, you can't have the other. Make sense? It's hard to love somebody that's hurting you. Right? And it's hard to submit to somebody that hates you. You understand? They work together. And so we must recognize that. Now, when we understand this principle and decide before God, this is the way it is. God, these things are spiritual. I need your help. That's what I need to do. I can't do this perfectly on my own. How many of us know we all fail? We all fail. Every one of us. So I need help. So what I do is, God, you give me the grace. It's grace. I need grace to do what I have to do as a husband. I need grace to do what I have to do as a wife. Because if we do what we are supposed to do, then we will raise godly offspring and they can make it in life. And so after you're gone, those kids are doing so well because you left them with something good. A good heritage that they can pass on to their children. And they can come and ask you, Daddy, how did you do this? And you can share with them. The first thing is to submit to God in humility so that God can fill your life If you think you can handle these things on your own, you just got here. This world has been here forever. You just got here. How do you think you know what to do in a world that you just got born into? God's giving giving us the manual to live by. Stay with the manual. Do what the manual says and it will be well with you. God's word will never fail. So I got to do what God tells me to do. That's what Abraham knew. That's what Isaac knew. And they passed on that heritage. Now for the children, and I'm going to close with this. The children, it says, children obey your parents and the Lord. For this is right. <laughs> it's just right for you to obey your parents. And listen, it's not saying obey your parents when you think they are okay. It's not saying obey your parents when you think they are cool. Okay? It says to obey your parents. Because it is the right thing to do. Whether you think they are okay parents or no okay parents, your devotion must be to God. Obey your parents because it is right to do. That's what it says. Honor your father and mother. I feel sorry for kids that talk back to their, children, their parents. You should never do that. If you're really wise, you won't do that. Even when they're wrong. Go back and come back and talk to them. Do you think this is right, Daddy, or something? But remember Isaac, right? The great Isaac. He never questioned his daddy. Daddy said, the lamb, put your hand behind you. Okay? He tied his hands, right? And laid him at the altar. There was not a single word. You think Isaac was dumb? No. He understood principle. Amen? I'm sure if he had rebelled against his father, his father really meant business. I wonder if that love would have, that would have been the end of him. 
but in obedience, both son and father. That's the type of Jesus and his heavenly father for us. So we need to understand that. It is right to do that. Listen, he says, which is the first commandment with, a, with promise. You know what the promise is? That it may be well with you. I mean, you want to do well. And then, let me tell you this. Even for us who are older and you have your parents, you still need to honor them. He didn't say honor them when they are young. <laughs> or you're, you're young. If it's your father and your mother, you still need to honor them. And it will be well with you when you honor them. It is right. It may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. I use, when I see real, I guess it was my days back in Georgia, when the kids are really nasty towards their parents, I, I, say, I ask the kids, it says, hey, do you want to die young? Look at me like, what? <laughs> I said, yeah, you really like to die young? No. He said, why are you disobeying your parents then? And he says, what has that got to do with this? I'm glad you asked. Let me show you. <laughs> Let me show you from scripture. Is that your days may be long. So, he goes, huh, I never saw that before. <laughs> okay. Now listen to daddy. If he says, up, let's jump up, okay? Says, yeah, I'm going to do that. Very important. So that it may be long. Your days may be long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. But bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. You can drive a kid so bad with the words that you say. They get angry and rebel. And they won't do anything you say. Because your words now become that of rejection. We as fathers need to practice to speak wholesome words. Building words. Because words are seed, right? So seed. If you don't like something, say the opposite. Okay? By faith. And encourage them. Instead of putting them down. Don't you ever say to your kid, I wish you were not born. Well, that's crazy. But some parents do that. They get mad because somebody upset them at work. And they say things like that to their children. Uh, life and death are what? In the power of the tongue. So use your tongue wisely. And James tells us, he who is able to bridle his tongue is a perfect man. And have no reason to stumble. You want to be perfect? Guide what you say from your mouth. Your tongue is very important. And you can use your tongue to make, uh, raise your kids. Finally, <laughs> I enjoy this. You can tell. The good things that come to you when you say as a godly father. Let me read this and we'll close. In Isaiah 54, Verse 13 and 14. I've, always, I've, I've held to this scripture because I don't know if you all know here. I was about 12 when my father was killed. And I never had, I had no father figure in my life. None. Uh, I'm 12, 13, 14, 15. I had to raise myself. Just myself and my brothers. We had no person that was a father figure in my life. So Christianity actually helped me. I had to look, watch the Christian fathers, how they handled their lives and how they handled their children. And so I've held on to the scriptures. 
And this is one scripture I've held on to for God's help, to help me with my kids. And I want you to do the same. Amen? It says, all your children shall be what? Isn't that nice? See, every Jewish man wanted his, child, his child taught. They wanted This is Old Testament. Paul, you remember Paul? He went to school. They wanted good teachings. And God was encouraging them. He says, all these things have happened to you, but I'm bringing you back to myself. But now, you don't have to look for another teacher. I will be your children's teacher. And that's Old Testament. He's fulfilled in us. Jesus said, all those promises are going to be fulfilled in the New Testament. So this is actually speaking about me. He says, all, not some, all your children shall be taught by the Lord himself. So you believe it and God will treat, train your children and teach them. He says, and great shall be the peace of your children. So I receive that. I accept that. He says, in righteousness you shall be established. When you are established in righteousness, it's almost like what Jesus said. It's like a house that is built on the rock. Nothing can shake it. Amen? In righteousness you shall be established. You shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear. There is no reason to be afraid. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? Fear no evil. My children will also fear no evil because God is their God. For it, that evil will never come near you. And you can read the whole 54 all the way down. God says no weapon formed against you will prosper. It won't prosper for your children. If it's against your children, guess. It's against you, right? <laughs> they go to the children, they'll fail. They go to the finances, they fail. No matter how hard they come, they fall. Amen? That's the way they stand up with me this morning. I'm taking much time. Thank you. We have to understand, if you're a young man, <laughs> you know you're going to be a father one day. Amen? Uh, we don't, we have claimed that we don't want untimely death for our young people here. So you are going to be a father if Jesus tarries. What I need you to do this morning is make a commitment to God. That's what you need to do. I make my commitment to God when something is too big for me and it's overwhelming to me. And I don't see how on my own I can make, make success out of it. You know what I do? The Bible says, whatever you commit to God, he is able to keep until that day. If you will commit to God fully today, I'm giving my life over, this part of my life over to you. I, I know I'm going to be a father someday, but I don't know really how to be a father. You are the father of fathers. Could you teach me? I commit that to you. I want to be a good father. We sang about it uh, to my kids. Please help me. You know what? You made a covenant with God. Guess what? He's going to keep his hand. He's going to take care of you and take care of you, uh, your children as well. So we need to make a commitment to God today. If you have not given your life to the Lord Jesus, you don't know Him, today you can know Him. You see, Jesus came into the world to seek you 
And he's seeking you, and he's been seeking you from the day you were born. Some of us, we haven't acknowledged him. He said, I stand at the door and I knock. For some of us, he's been looking for us for the, for the whole of our lives. Now you are over 50 and you haven't made a decision for him. He's still looking for you. Would you give him that opportunity today and say, God, I need you. Now he's better. Ecclesiastes 12 verse 1 says, Remember the Lord your creator in the days of your youth. It's better. If you're a young person, this is the time to make a commitment to him. And we all want to do that this morning. How many of you want to make an undying commitment to Christ? Would you raise your hand? I want to make a commitment to him today. Please raise your hand so he can help me in every area of life. Raise your hand if you need a commitment. You want to make a commitment to him to help you in this life. I'm raising my hand. Say with me, Lord Jesus, I welcome you into my life today. If there is any area of my life that I've not submitted to you, I submit it now. I give my whole life to you. Receive me. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. Teach me from your scriptures. Teach me the knowledge of God. I want to know you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.